as we move into February, just asking you, you got any new uh, February directions from the Lord? January's done. Okay, we're all done with that one, right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with having a few more goals. The Lord just putting some things on your mind as you're thinking through your spiritual life. Your walk with Him, maybe He's showing you some things. Okay, we can work on this. Or maybe He's just said, you know what, those goals in January, that you can get done, keep after them. It's all right. You can keep moving that direction. These are good. These are good for you. So you've probably got them, and I've got them. Some things, new things the Lord has brought my way, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in my life. How's your one word guiding you? Some of you have come up with that one word, and it's, it's really helping you. It's a part of what you're doing. Uh, just this week, there were a few more one words that were shared with me. Um, focus, content, prayer, forgive. All those words were shared back with me. Those are great things to be able to put into our life, to, to say, Lord, this is, this is what I want to focus on this year. And I'm going to take this one word, and I'm going to kind of just apply it in the many places in my life. I encourage you, just go ahead and, and to do that. As I think about my one word, I've come across this, and I've given it to you before, but this a beautiful statement that came many, many years ago to me, wrote it out of my prayer list. And I don't say it every day, but uh, maybe once a week I go through it. Less of self and more of Jesus. More and more each day like thee. Just to live in full surrender for my Lord who ransomed me. That's a winner. That's a winner. More and more and more. Christ wants us to have more and more of Him. He wants us to grow in Him and to move ahead with Him and to see Him in greater ways. And I pray that you'll see that even this year. So let's keep reading Second Peter so we get more of and we grow 2020 forward with Christ, right? And we move forward with Him and grow in that. So just a little bit of fun here in honor of uh, Groundhog Day, which is the second, I believe. Somebody sent me this one. I thought this was pretty good. <laughs> well, that's not going to just be six weeks. I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> uh, we're taking our time as we go through Second Peter, but uh, um, I did wake up. I saw my shadow, probably. Uh, there will be six more weeks of this sermon series. So we're going to have fun with that. Thank you, uh, Spike, for sending that to me. <laughs> Love it when you guys do that. It's just fun to rejoice with you and to laugh with you and uh, that you're thinking of me. So much appreciate that. So much. As I was looking at First Peter or Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 through uh, 8 that we'll look at today. Again, I had some sermon titles and various commentaries I'm looking at, authors that I'm looking at. Uh, these are some of the titles I came across. Grow Forward in Grace, Characteristics of the Christian Life. Ladder of Spiritual Growth, Faith Results in Christian Growth, Challenge to Press into the Full Implications of Their Inheritance. That one kind of covers maybe the, the whole chapter. And even us, that's thinking, um, it's going through open windows. You happen to look at open windows, um, was it yesterday? Let's see here. Uh, Thursday, February 1, Saturday, February the 3rd. Here's what it says. Here's the title of the article. Character Traits for Growth. <laughs> now, they're not using Second Peter, but you can go about anywhere in the New Testament and go, Character Traits for Growth, right? But I just thought that's pretty cool. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much for just making it clear. 
where we're at. That's the advantage of me writing these sermons. When these come up, I can go, oh, that fits my sermon. <laughs> you don't have that a luxury, okay? But if you're reading the passage and you come across these, I bet you you'll probably see some tie, some, some tie-ins together with that. You go, oh, yeah, I could, I could see how that's First Peter or Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I can see those things. So keep after them. Keep reading. Show you with you daily bread, another one that's coming up just a little bit how important it is to put yourself in the Word of God and to see how others look at the Word of God and they put it in into our world for us this day. So, you have Second Peter chapter 1 there. I'm going to start at verse 1 because it's not too many verses to be able to go through verse 8. So, your tablet, your phone, uh, whatever you have, be able to put the Word of God in front of you. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you more, more, more in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, for this very reason, to therefore make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this very reason, therefore, what, what is it therefore? What's he referring back to? Well, we can go through and we can look as you look at kind of the key points in verse, verse 3 and 4. They make up that reason. For this very reason, this is what you're going to do. One, because you have the divine power and divine nature of Jesus Christ. Once you come to Jesus Christ, you are part of His power, His resurrection power, as Dave said earlier as he prayed in his prayer. For His resurrection power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have in us. It's right there. And His nature, He gives us His nature. He brings holiness into our life, His righteousness into it. That's who we are. That's our being. That's our identity of who we are. Secondly, because we're growing in the knowledge of Jesus. For this very reason, because we're growing in the knowledge of God and of Christ. And we said there are five, six times that that phrase is used throughout Second Peter. It's a theme of the book. Third, because we have his precious and very great promises. He's given those to us. They're right here for us, right here. As we said, when he talks about their precious and their very great and their promises, they're not hidden. They're bold. They're stated for us. These are the promises I have for you. And I will fulfill those promises. And I have fulfilled many of those promises already. But I will continue to do that for you. And then because, and, and fourth, we re- or the great promises. And fourth, he says that we also have been delivered. We've escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What God has placed in us now, we get to live out. He's helped us to be away from what what we shouldn't be involved in because that's who he is to help us out. Because we have all those things. He's given us, as he says, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're not missing anything to be able to live the life that he wants us to live. It's all right there for us. And so he says, for this very reason, 
This is what I want you to do because of those things. Because of those four things, the divine power and nature of God, we're growing in the knowledge of God because we have His precious great promises and because we've escaped corruption. Because of those things, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to make every effort to live this Christian life, this life of godliness that's before you. In a sense, he's saying this, God has done His part, okay? Now you need to do your part. He's given us your divine nature. He's given you your divine power. He's helped you escape the corruption of the world. He's given you his promises. He's done his part to help you and to help me live out Jesus Christ, to live like him. Now, you need to do your part. Because spiritual growth, you know, right? Just automatic, man. You just wake up in the morning and all of a sudden you grow. Probably not. <laughs> spiritual growth is not automatic. It requires cooperation between the Heavenly Father and his earthly child. We're his children. Knowing him as our Savior, we're his children. Uh, if I could put it for our students that are here, and some of you might even be able to remember this. I know it's many, many years ago. But like when you go to school, you remember that? Anybody remember that? I don't remember it well, and I don't like it, right? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> we go to school. Now, they hand you the books. You have the book. You've had a chance to read the books. The teacher does everything to teach you well and to help you out. But you know what? you got to do something about that because the test is coming. The paper has to be written. And you have to take what you've learned from the books, you have to take from the teachers, and then you have to put it together on the test in order to write that paper. Now, I know in today's world that you can use AI or whatever it is, A1, AI, AI, that thing, artificial intelligence. You can use that, and you can just write a paper, right? Just like that. If you read Daily Bread a while back... Guy was talking about that. Dave Brandon was talking about that. So I made read it. He read a paper and he goes, It was really good. He goes, Man, it was really good. It was so well written, I knew that they didn't write it. <laughs> and he could do, he could figure out, and he found out that they didn't really write that paper. They plagiarized it. But see, we, we know as, as what God has given to us, He's given us these things. Now He's done His part, and He's not done doing His part either, of course, right? He's done his part. Now, we need to do our part so that we can grow and walk and become more like Jesus Christ. Peter's commanding here this make ever effort. He's commanding hard work, supreme effort, discipline, giving 110%, practice, diligence in our spiritual life. And thinking about that, thinking about it again with school. Listen, uh, as, you, as you remember going through there, uh, if you're capable of getting an A in school, guess what? You should try to get an A. Right? Some of you, and, and a, there's no condemnation here, some of you, God just didn't gift you the same way. And, and the best you could do is a B. If the best you can do is a B, then get a B. And some people, it's a C. That's just, that's the capabilities God gave them. If you can get a C and that's the best you can do, get it. All right? Kind of reminds me of my analytic geometry class, my senior year of high school. Why I took it, I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't get all that stuff very well. But man, I just tried my best. I worked really hard, and I had the lowest grade in the class. It was a junior honor class, and I was a senior. I had the lowest grade in the class. And my professor, Dr. Carter, was a Christian. He wanted to flunk me because I had already taken all my math and passed, fail. He said, you got the lowest grade in the class. I said, Dr. Carter, it isn't because I don't, I don't study. I go home and study two hours every day. I work really hard. I just don't get it like everybody else. And he said to me, he says, well, yeah, but, and I said, I'm never going to use it again anyway. He looked at me like, 
What? I, he said, I said, because I'm going into ministry. I knew at that point I was going into ministry. And he goes, yeah, but what if you become a missionary pilot? <laughs> and I said, Dr. Carter, I get sick on the rides at Elitch's. I will not be a missionary pilot. I can tell you that right now, okay? And I haven't been a missionary pilot either. You can see, right? I, I did the best I could do. 75, whatever percent it was. I did the best I could do. I didn't skimp. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't mediocre. I studied hard. That's the best I could do. And that's what we do in the Christian life. Do the best you can do. Diligent. Make every effort to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ as he's given you this. Give it all you got. Give it all you got. Because what's this 1 Corinthians 10, 31 say to us? So, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, whether you're in school, whether you're recreating, whether you're eating or drinking, whether you're praying before your meal, <laughs> if you happen to remember, <laughs> which I didn't this morning, again, but I did remember when I prayed, my morning time prayer, okay, but every, I sit down, I think, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Whatever you do, whatever you do, what? Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Make every effort to do it for the glory of God. To honor Him. To lift Him high. To let Him know He's important and valuable in your life. You see this? Think about it. Your efforts, my efforts today, will lead and follow us into tomorrow. In anything we do, my effort today will lead and follow me into tomorrow's efforts. They'll be right there with me. They say this, and I can tell you what, that they're working really hard at this. The Chiefs and that other team, who's the other team? The 49ers, the Chiefs and the 49ers. You will play like you practice. So you want to practice like you want to play. Because that just follows. My efforts in this are going to lead me and follow me tomorrow. And Peter's telling us, your efforts today are going to lead and follow in your spiritual life tomorrow too. They will be a part of who you are. You will live like you listen to and learn from the Lord. You will live like you listen to and learn from the Lord. Barbieri says in his commentary, because of all that God has done in your life, add on your part real effort. Just hope to get by. No, no. Give it everything you've got to grow in Christ. Sounds a little bit like me, like Peter's telling us to, uh, that God is always moving us forward. God's always moving us forward, so we need to join him in 2020 forward. God is always moving us forward, and we need to join Him in that. So let's step out and let's step up, or step up and step out, right, for Him this year. What is it God has said to you that, this is what I want you to do, this is the way I want you to be involved in Majestic, this is the way I want you to step out in your neighborhood to the people that are around you, to your sports team, to where you teach and where you go to school. These are the things I want you to do because this will bring honor to me as you follow me. And this, somebody reminded me of this this week, which I thought was very, very good. 
as I'm thinking about all these things of discipline, practice, and making every effort. Now, he said this. He said, and we need to do that with joy, too. It's not, it's not, not that it's drudgery. It can be hard. There's no doubt about that. You want to have a prayer life, it's going to cost you something. It's probably going to cost you sleep. To get up early or to stay up late and to pray. It's probably going to cost you something. But we need to do that with joy and eagerness. Why? Because it's good for us. It's good for us to do what He wants us to do. To do the best we can do for Jesus Christ. We need to do that with the, the, the utmost of eagerness and joy in our lives. And sometimes, yes, we just have to gut it out. We just have to do it. If we can put the fact that I need to do this joyfully and I need to do this with an eagerness because it's the best for me, it's good for me, we'll see what God wants us to do in our life. For this very reason, because God has done His work, now you do your part. Make every effort. And to do what? He says, make every effort to supplement your faith. You know, we talked about this other Faith is the foundation of our Christian life. Peter tells us in verse 1, right? To those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We all, if we've come to know Jesus Christ, we're all on equal ground. We all have the same faith. We have equality in that. But now we have this opportunity to grow. You know this, the Christian life begins with faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let's say, for by grace are you saved through faith. Begins right there. And we grow in faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And our faith is demonstrated, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with that in full assurance of our faith. So each of us must do what Peter commands. We, we want to supplement our faith with the qualities that follow here in verses 6 through 7. Supplement, the word supplement could mean add, add to. Add to. Supplement your faith, add to it. And it communicates this, generous and costly cooperation generous and costly cooperation as we would add these to us. We grow in our health in Christ. I, Johnny Desher reminded me of this illustration. We, we want to grow in Christ. When we get to be adults, we, we shouldn't be sitting in the child's chair because we're not children. We're not children anymore, right? We should be adults in Him. We want to move from this and to move so that this is who we are. And, and this isn't the end all either, right? I couldn't find a bigger chair. <laughs> it's not the end all. We're still growing as we go, but, but we shouldn't be right here because we're making every effort to supplement our faith to grow in Christ. You see, Paul understood that too, going back to Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And again, I remind you, he's not talking about work for your salvation. He's not saying that you have your salvation. It's been given to you by God. Now work out that salvation. Make it work for you. Put effort into it. Make every effort to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. To follow Him with everything you've got so that you bring honor to Him and you show your love for Him. We think of supplements, obviously, if we think of that word, supplement your faith or add to your faith. We think of supplements like, like vitamin C, 
right? You, many of you take vitamin C. You make other supplements, like I have a, a Preservision, an eye thing, because I have glaucoma, and so I have to take an eye thing, an eye drop every morning, or, or an eye pill, about that big, about that big. No, it's about that big, or I take one of those every day just to be able to, to be a part of that. Um, other ways we supplement ourselves, we, uh, if you think you're getting a cold, what do you take? You take zinc, right? You make sure when you take zinc, put have something in your stomach, otherwise it, it sinks really bad into your stomach, right? Um, and also, you know, we supplement um, boredom with ice cream, so, <laughs> right? You get bored or you need something, right? So we supplement our, our boredom with ice cream or a cookie or something like that, right? We understand what supplements are. We, we have this need. We want to be more healthy. We want to grow. We want our health to be good. And so we take these things to help ourselves out. Same thing in the spiritual life. He's saying, these things, I want you to supplement. I want you to add them to you. I want them added to your life so that you are healthy. And also, I think, as we look at chapter 2 in here, so that we don't get deceived by false teaching. We would understand these things so that we wouldn't get deceived by the false teachers that are out there. Now, now make sure you understand this. We don't supplement or add to our faith because it's lacking. We don't supplement, add these things to our faith because it's lacking. No, we have all the faith we need. He's given us everything we need for what? Life and godliness. So it's not, there's nothing lacking. We're just adding to. We're helping ourselves to be more healthy in Christ Jesus and to grow in what he has for us. They'll help us to be more like Jesus Christ. They'll help us to grow from being babies or infants or, you know, third, second graders to be adults in him so that we'll look more like Him as we grow through our life. So, for this very reason, because God has done His work, I want you to add to your, I want to supplement your faith, right? And now He goes on and He says, and here's the first one. He says, to your faith, which is full, got everything you need about it, I want you to add to, make every effort supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue, this word right here, in verse 5, verse 6, that's what it says. Nope, it's in verse 5 still. In verse 5 is the same word as excellence, which is found in verse 3. Now, I don't understand why sometimes the translators use different words, even though it's the same word. Because, but, but I think this. Sometimes those words just have different nuances, and they, they fit better into the context of what's here. It's not, it's not in translating the Bible from Greek or from Hebrew. It's not word-to-word translation. It doesn't work that way. Because sometimes the words just don't translate well for us. So it's the same word, excellence, that's found in verse 3 in verse 5. Virtue is the same word as excellence. Pastor Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, points out that the word was used in biblical days as something that fulfills its purpose. That's, that's a virtue, something that fulfills its purpose. That's excellent, something that fulfills its purpose. And one of the illustrations he gave is, is of a land that produces crops. Its purpose was to produce crops, and so it produces crops. That's excellence. That's virtue. That's fulfilling its purpose. That's what it's supposed to do, and that's what it does. It also could be equated with, as we think of virtue, it could be moral excellence, that, that in our life, morally, we would be following what Jesus Christ wants us to do. Now, 
putting that together, obviously both of these usages complement adding to our faith. When we live in moral agreement with the Lord's commands, we'll be fulfilling our purpose to be more like Christ daily. Did you get that? That's kind of a mouthful. Let me give it to you again. When we live in moral agreement, obedience, with the Lord's commands, we will be fulfilling our purpose to be more like Christ daily. Because isn't that our purpose? To be like Jesus? To grow more in Him? Say yes. Okay? That's our purpose. To be more like Jesus Christ. To be transformed daily. Right? To be like Him. To be conformed to the image of the Son. Romans chapter 8. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to grow that way and be a part of that. So when we obey what he has, we have moral excellence in our life. We will be fulfilling our purpose that we would be coming more like Jesus Christ. And that excellence honors our excellent Lord and Savior who is holy, holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y. Who is holy, holy, fully holy. That's who he is. There's no black to him. There's no sin to him. He is fully and holy, holy. He says, add to your faith virtue. He says, add with virtue, add knowledge. Has anyone reminded you lately that knowledge of God is the theme of this book? (laughs) Who is that guy? He keeps telling me that, right? Five or six times it's there. Verse chapter 3. We have it here now in in verse number 5 and number 6. This knowledge of God, that we'd understand who He is and what He has done for us. This knowledge is to be applied, not just head knowledge. Yeah, I know there's a God. I mean, the the demons blame what James chapter 2, the the demons understood. They, They believe there's a God, but they don't submit to Him, right? They just know that He's there. Many people know that in our day and age. Well, there's a God out there, but what does God want us to do? He wants us to follow Him, to walk with Him. He wants us to take what we know about Him and then put it in our walking shoes and follow Him and and seek Him. Be a part of His life. To grow in Him. So it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, like I know what 2 Peter is all about, but then now living it out. Living it out. Some people put it that practical wisdom. That's a good way to describe it. Practical wisdom, the knowledge of God, practical wisdom that I would live it out, that I would do the things that the book of Proverbs says that, that are valuable to me. So what, what did you do? I'm thinking about this. So as you read Second Peter this week, because I know you did, <laughs> as you read Second Peter this week and you, you gained this knowledge of God, what, what did you do with it? Don't just merely be a reader of the Word or a hearer of the Word, James chapter 1, but do it, right? Put it into practice. Live it out. So as you were reading Second Peter, or you were reading other places, because I know that you do, what did, what did we do with that? Because that's what he wants us to do, this knowledge that we want it to be practical wisdom. We want it to be that which we read, we know, and then we go, okay, Lord, what do I do with this? You ask that question, he definitely will show you that way. Did it add to your faith? What you read? Did it strengthen your faith? Did it supplement your faith? Did it add to your faith? That's what he wants us to do as we go through the Word. And I came across this quote by Jim Weidman. I, um, Weidman. I quoted him last week, but this is a really good statement. You cannot know the will of God if you do not know the Word of God. 
You cannot know the will of God if you do not know the Word of God. I've said that to many couples that I've had the opportunity to talk in premarital counseling about wedding and marriage. So how do you know that this is the will of God? Uh, well, uh, what's, what's the word say about it? And especially maybe even if they're living together. I say, Dave, the word of God says we're to be holy. So how do you know this is the will of God that you're married to this person if you're not living in a holy relationship? You can't know. You can't know. If we're disobedient to the word of God, we can't know the will of God. You cannot know the will of God if you do not know the Word of God. And that's why we're taking time to go through and to get knowledge of God, but then to apply it in our lives so that it brings honor to Him and it lifts Him up, gives Him His excellence that is due. Virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Add to virtue knowledge. Add to knowledge self-control. It could be translated temperance. Maybe your, your version says temperance. So, I was trying to think of, of okay, so what would what, this mean? So it would mean something like this. So self-control would mean having the proper words in the midst of a disagreement, a conversation, um, you know, not just a nice conversation, but a little bit tense conversation. Having the proper words in a time like that. Um, maybe it would be having the proper look on your face when you're not getting your way. None of you would ever, like, you know, go, Ugh. oh, you wouldn't make a noise. You're just, it's your face, right? I would never do anything like that, Alicia, would I? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I know how I get that look. That's not self-control. That's making sure that everybody knows how I feel about it. Hmm. I wrote down a couple other things here. How about uh, self-control would be being more concerned about the welfare of another than yourself. Hmm. I'm more concerned about you than I am myself right now. Um, not lashing out when you think you have reason to. Um, self-control would be eating the right amount. If you don't, it's called gluttony, right? One of the seven deadly sins. Sometimes we know it, right? The saying, I want to self-control. That's enough for me. Because that honors God. Or how about maybe reading your Bible rather than watching TV? I know I need to spend some time in the Word. I know this is important and valuable, and the pastor's going to nag me to death if I don't read Second Peter. But man, I really want to watch this show. And so we have that, that tension. I know this is what I should do, Lord, but I know this is what I want to do. I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires be mine. Kip White, Alicia's brother's song. I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires 
be mine. We all know that struggle, the self-control struggle. Think of James chapter 1, one of the memory verses going through the daily bread, trying to memorize those top verses. Know this, my beloved brethren. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That's a little different than what you have up there, but that's what I learned it in many years ago. Every one of us should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Have you ever been angry and lost self-control and thought, the Lord was 100% honored by that outburst? <laughs> Have you ever had that happen to you? You've been angry about something and you say, when you finish, you go, I know the Lord was honored by that outburst. No, you haven't had one of those times. Lord, I know that didn't honor you. I wasn't self-controlled in that. And he goes, I know. Yeah, I wasn't honored by it either, to be honest. The Lord would say that to us, right? And so we confess it. We admit that we, Tim, we were wrong in doing that. And he brings forgiveness our way. Proverbs 25, 28 says this about self-control. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We've destroyed it. And we're in danger. Because we've done what we shouldn't do. We, we've lost self-control. We haven't honored the Lord in that. One of our brothers at our Thursday morning men's group described what we need this way. We've got it up here on the screen. Lord, keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. <laughs> I think we probably all know that a little bit, don't we? If you're a verbal person, you know it probably more than a non, you know, a non, not nonverbal, but somebody who doesn't say a lot. Oh, what a blessing that might be <laughs> sometimes, right? What a blessing that might be sometimes. Lord, keep your arm around my shoulder. I need you. But just keep your hand over my mouth. But it needs to be silence. For the wise man once said, nothing. You see, we need the Spirit's protective and controlling help when we're talking, thinking, watching, seeing, reading, responding, disciplining, driving, arguing, eating, drinking, playing all the time, right? Man, we need His help all the time. Because it's so easy in various ones for you, different levels, different places, to not be self-controlled. And I remind you this, that if we're self-controlled, we're Spirit-controlled. And if we're Spirit-controlled, we're self-controlled. It's one of the fruit of the spirits. Self-control is one of the fruit of the spirits, right? So, when I am self-controlled, I know that the spirit is controlling me. And when I'm spirit-controlled, depending on him, I will be self-controlled. And I know that if, I, if I'm not self-controlled, I know I'm not controlled by the spirit. Add to your faith virtue, add knowledge, 
add self-control, add steadfastness. Life can be tough, can't it? No, it is tough. (laughs) It seems each day is filled with its share of that seems unfair or why did that happen to me moments. And those are the good days. (laughs) And then some days it's even worse. Friendships unravel. Loss of a loved one. Unfortunate accidents. A life-threatening illness diagnosis. A financial collapse. Patience or steadfastness is properly handing the pressures and the people through the help of the Holy Spirit. Patience, steadfastness, properly handling the pressures and the people that the Lord brings into my life. But taking a step farther, it is sticking with the Lord in the midst of the difficulties. Sticking with Him in the midst of the difficulties. And, and you know Him. I can look out there and I can see that some of you have had them just this week. Things that have happened that are just out of the blue that don't make sense. And they've been troubling and they've been hard and, and pressure's been on you. And sticking with the Lord in the midst of those things. Paul says in the Fruit of the Spirit passage in Galatians 5 that patience is possible in the pressures of life, right? For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. It's a part of us. The Spirit's in us. We have the ability to have patience or steadfastness in the midst of the difficult things. So whatever comes our way, the Spirit can help us to demonstrate patience so that we exhibit His character and glorify His name in the issues that come up. Remember, it might just happen to you this week. Let me out of the blue. I'm not being a prophet. I'm just speaking about life. Just the way life is. All of a sudden, difficulties come our way, and we need to have steadfastness. We need to add that to our faith. Then he says, Godliness. Wearsby defines godliness as simply godlikeness. Pretty good definition, I think. The word actually could mean to worship well. A man who is right in his relationship with God and others, maybe reverence. Let's listen to this. The godly person makes godly decisions that honor God because they are in agreement with the Word of God. You got that written down, didn't you? <laughs> Let me read The godly person makes godly decisions that honor God because they're in agreement with the Word of God. That's godliness. This is what we'll do, right? Because this is what God wants us to do, commands us to do. We're going to obey it, and it'll be a godly decision. It'll honor God because it's in agreement with the Word of God. That godliness. Brotherly affection. It's a word... Philadelphia, that word, phileos, that brotherly love that we would have. The love of the brothers, not the love of the bothers, as I sometimes type. <laughs> I'll be typing something to my to the elders or to the leadership team, and, and I'll forget the R. And I have, unfortunately, most time it shows up. <laughs> but bothers doesn't always show up, right? Dear, bo- dear bothers. <laughs> I think I've that's happened to me a couple times. No, 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 no. You don't bother me. You're my brothers, all right? <laughs> my brotherly affection for you. Oh, my. Oh. Romans 12.10, look at this. Read it with me. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> outdo one another. Don't just show a little bit of honor. Outdo one another in showing honor to people around you. Because that's brotherly love. That's brotherly affection, as he wants us to do. We had virtue. We had knowledge. We had all these things before us. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So you have phileo love. Then you have agape love. Brotherly affection, caring for one another. But then God's love, sacrificial love, he said. Let that be a part of your life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, what we celebrated in the Lord's Supper. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brothers. 1 John 4.19, We love, why? Because he first loved us. Agape love, sacrificial love. Again, what we celebrated. This is the type of love that says, you're more important than me. Yes, I'll wash your feet, love. Yes, I'll wash your feet, love. I will do whatever I need to do to honor you because that's what God did for me. Now, as I look at these characteristics, I think it's quite possible they could be mixed around and moved around. I don't know that they're necessarily, you have to do this first, you have to do this first, you have to do this next, da-da-da-da-da, okay? I do know this, that this, what we have to do here, begins with faith and it ends with love. I do know that. You have to have faith, and it's going to end with love because that's the greatest thing. It's even in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, it says this, now these remain, faith, hope, and love, but love is the greatest, Right? That's what God has done for us. The greatest of these is love. So I don't know that you, you have to keep them right there. Some people might say they build upon each other. I'm not certain that's true. I'm just saying it would be a great thing just to have every one of these and put them in our life. Why? Because he says, he goes on, he says, this is it. For if these qualities are yours, he says. For if these qualities are yours, are they yours? They are if you're a believer. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, they're yours. If you don't know Jesus, man, today would be a great day to invite him into your life. They're a great day to say yes to Jesus. I want you to be a part of my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ loved me so much. He died on the cross for me and that he's the son of God. And I confess my faith. I say yes to you, Jesus. I want you to be a part of my life. Man, make that decision if you've never made it before. Don't leave church without it. They're yours. They're yours if you know Jesus Christ is a believer. And, but the next question is, are they increasing in my life and in your life? Are they increasing in our life? Are they growing in our life? Are they helping us to go from here to here? Well, we can't always see this growth, right? We understand that. Not too many people told me in my lifetime, man, you've really grown. <laughs> I do remember a friend of mine saying in ninth grade when I was wrestling, he said, man, you were like taller than that other guy you wrestled. Of course, the guy beat me anyway. It didn't matter, right? But that's the only time anybody ever said, yeah, I noticed you grew. But we want to grow. We don't want to stay right there. We want to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing and want to increase. These things need to increase in our life, a part of our lives, because we want to be more like Jesus Christ and to be like him. So here's, here's my thing. I don't think you're probably going to pick all seven of these things and work on them this week. But pick one. 
Pick one of those things and say, Lord, this week I'm going to work on virtue. Lord, this week I'm going to work on knowledge. This week I'm going to work on self-control. I need your help because you're going to help me. You did your work. You give me the spirit. So I'm going to work on this. I'm going to make it kind of my one word thing this week. But also, this might be this Lent's coming up. A time of focusing, we call it 40 days of focus. I've really taken some time to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ before Easter comes, celebration Sunday comes. You know what? There's seven of them. There's seven weeks. Maybe you could say, you know, I'm going to take each one of these. Each week I'm going to take one of these and I'm going to work on it. I'm asking God to help me to put it into my life. I'm asking God to increase it in my life, right? To multiply His grace and His peace to me as we go through this 40 days of focus. It begins on February 14th. It's coming up for that. He says, if they are yours as a believer and they're increasing in your life, they'll keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how many of you want to be ineffective and unfruitful for Jesus? That's kind of what I thought. (laughs) None of us want to be that. We want to make a difference for Jesus, right? We want to be effective for him. We want to be fruitful. We want to bear more fruit. John chapter 15. We want to see people come to know Jesus in our life. We want to help them to grow once they come to know Jesus Christ in our life, right? That's why you're here. That's why you brought your sleigh this morning, (laughs) right? That's why you're here, because we want to be effective. We want to be fruitful for Jesus Christ. We want to be growing. We want to be increasing, and we want that to be able to be given to people all around us so they, too, would increase. So we grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as we add these qualities to our life. You'll remember what he says in verse 18 of chapter 3. He starts with this knowledge of God and our Savior, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow, increase. Let these things be a part of your life. Do you pray for your kids and your grandkids using this? Hmm. Look at what Number two is day two. That was Friday. Growth in grace. I pray that my children may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter three eighteen. Thank you, Lord. Grab these. They're out there in the rack by the coat room. Pray for your kiddos, your grandkiddos, and yourself this way. God, would you help me this week to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to increase. I want to be effective for you. I want to be fruitful for you. I want more of you. I want 2020 forward to grow forward with you this this year. A lot there, isn't it? That's pretty good, right? Pretty good. Because of what God's done, I want you to add to your faith these things, not because your faith is lacking. Anyway, no. You've got everything you need for life and godliness. But I want you to increase in these things so that you grow from here to there. And so that, you know, people might say to you, you know what? I've been watching you. God's doing a good work in your life. He's multiplying His grace in your life. We're thankful for that. Join us in Sunday school. Love to have you come and be a part of that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me, I want.
once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to live out what you've given to us in your word. You're right there to help us. Thank you. thank you that you sent us. That you have sent us to be your ambassadors. Help us this week to help others to grow. Even in the next hour, as we go to Sunday school, help us to help others to grow. That they can add to their faith these virtues, these qualities. And thank you for helping us. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name.